Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast that hopefully helps you get better at the craft of teaching and preaching and communicating good news while always hoping and ensuring that our character leads the way. Um, I don't know about you, friends, but if I'm really, really honest, I told my elders that I'm not hopeful um, for 2024. And the main reason is this upcoming election. I think uh, the previous two um, have not been the most fun. Um, Oftentimes, I felt like they became so divisive, and it just spilled over into the church. And I, I've been following our guest today on Twitter. Um, I read um, his first book, Reclaiming Hope. Um, he is the president and CEO of the Center for Christianity and Public Life. It's this nonpartisan, nonprofit institution. It's actually based in D.C., and the whole mission is to contend for the credibility of Christian resources in public life for public good. And his name is Michael Ware, and you should follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. He's brilliant. But I was scrolling through X, the Twitter, you know, you know what it is, friends. And I came across his new book. And you, friends, you got to hear the title of this, The Spirit of Our Politics, Spiritual Formation and the renovation of public life. And for the first for the first time, I literally was like, oh, this might actually be a guide. This might actually give me hope to be able to talk about and prepare my people for 2024 and what's to come in the best possible spiritually formational kind of way. So I reached out to Michael and thanks be to God. He joined, he said yes to join us on the crafting character podcast. Michael, thanks for joining us, man. It's an honor to have you. Steve, I'm, I'm such a fan of yours and uh, really looking forward to this, this conversation. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Well, let's just talk about this. When people talk about politics, they don't usually talk about spiritual formation. And the fact that you merged those two realities together in a way that doesn't feel like an oxymoron. Um, talk about that, that origin, because you, you mean, you've, you've had a front row seat in politics living in DC, but why this idea of formation and politics? Yeah, there, there are a few ways to answer that question. One is because I've worked in politics, um, and and uh, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 after reading Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was handed a tract of Romans uh, at a youth group, and it changed my life. Um, the question has been less avoidable for me. If, if I'm not thinking about spiritual formation and politics, then I'm not thinking about spiritual formation. Mm. But part of the argument and part of what I think is more evident to pastors especially, but but I think more evident to just people generally, uh, is uh, that the question really is unavoidable for everybody. Yeah. Um, That that actually uh, uh, whole life discipleship requires thinking about the social and politics is part of the social. Another way to answer the question is... um, I was um, 
my first meeting when I started at the White House was with Gary Haugen at International Justice Mission. Yes. And after that meeting, Gary sent a book to my office that honestly, I was kind of like offended that he would burden me with this book that was so dense when I was working 16 hours. I mean, he's CEO of a major nonprofit. I thought, Gary, when did when did you find time to read this? And how did you think I would have the time to read this? And so it sat on my shelf for six months. My pastor back home in Buffalo, Jerry Gillis, wrote a blog post, which he never does, recommending this book. And then I thought, okay, I'm, I, I may, you know, uh, uh, I, I may sometimes be be stubborn or, uh, you know, have have my radar turned off. But but this is this is enough. Gary Haugen sending me the book and my pastor randomly blogging about it. And it was uh, Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy. Mm. And it was like a second spiritual awakening in my life. Yeah. And and so this book is applying Dallas's ideas to politics and public life. And so, so here's the third thing I'd say, which is quick, which is I became convinced that spiritual formation is central to civic renewal, that the kind of people we are has much to do with the kind of politics and public life that we have. And so you, you add those three together and, and, uh, and that that shapes much of the heart of, of this book, yeah. So amazing! You 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 had me convinced when I you went to Amazon and saw Dallas's name in it, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so beautiful. Obviously, Dallas's work has been deeply formational. I had that same experience reading Divine Conspiracy as well, and learning about the kingdom of God. But then just that last line that you talked about the civic renewal, you know, and how spiritual formation is essential to that. And this this book really is a paradigm shift because I think for so many of us, you know, we've found our allegiance um, more towards a party. Uh, my friend Luke yes. Northworthy says, um, I know a lot of people who have left the church because of politics, but I don't know anyone who's left a party yes. because of what their church is teaching them Yes, you know, and about Jesus, and I just, yes. I, I remember like hearing him say that for the first time. I was like, man, that is so true. And I think there's so many pastors right now are like, either I can't touch it yes. because I'm afraid to upset. And you used a word when we were talking, feeling disempowered. Yes, how do how do we re-empower pastors to engage this topic well? Yes. So. Um, I wrote this book to be a constructive work that would pro, that would empower Christians, particularly pastors, to regain confidence that the resources available to them in the kingdom of God stand up, that the way of Jesus stands up in politics as it does in all of life. Uh, we we have lost confidence in that. Uh, uh, th- there is this idea that um, I think there were many for good intentions, w- with good intentions, who, who saw, you know, I've seen all the ways in which it's gone awry. Uh, and so uh, I want to keep politics outside of the four walls of the church. 
it's become very evident to most that that is an impossibility for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, because of how saturating our political culture is, because of the fact that everybody in your pew, in your pews, in your congregation has a political responsibility themselves, is in a political society, uh, has is both affected by and is affecting political decisions. And so, so it's just inherent. Um, and, and so it's, 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 it's a part of it. And so the, the jump that some folks have made is, okay, politics is, is relevant to the life of the church, or at least to the life of the, the folks I'm trying to, to disciple. And so I need to learn the language and absorb the logic of our politics. It is a distressing thing to me when I'll talk with pastors uh, who will say, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get into uh, uh, politics. You know, you've, you've, uh, you, uh, I argued in my last book that politics is an essential form in which we can love our neighbors. And, you know, you've convinced me of that. And so, man, I've been reading the polls lately. And, uh, you know, what do you think about, you know, the fact that so-and-so is up five points? And there's nothing, read the polls if that's what you want to do. I, I would argue might not be the best of your time, uh, best use of your time. What pastors have to offer our public life and our politics does not require learning, uh, does, is, is not about regurgitating the logic uh, and the resources of our politics. What our politics and public life is suffering from is a lack of Christian resources that can help it <laughs> Uh, uh, T.S. Eliot has this line. He says, you know, uh, man's endeavor has been uh, to try to create a system so perfect that people no longer have to be good. Mm. Uh, Pastors and the Christian tradition has a lot to bring to bear on the dysfunction that we see in our politics. But if we're just chasing credibility as politics thinks of credibility, we'll be sacrificing some of the uh, most potent offerings that, that, that we could, that we could, uh, that we could bring. Yeah. And I think that's really, really helpful because what you do in your writing, I saw this in your first book is you, you always elevate the right ideas, the kingdom values, because sometimes, sometimes we just get brought down into the murkiness and, yes. you know, we find ourselves, um, talking, discussing, debating, but yes. not elevating people into the, the things of God, the kingdom of God. Yes, and, yes, yes. And you have these these three key rather thans. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you talk about healing rather than division. You talk yeah. about kindness rather than hatred. You talk yeah. about hope rather than despair. And, and it's just like, right, even those three words, it's like elevating... And I want our church to be a healing church, a good and gentle and kind church and a church filled with hope. But it's so easy to get caught in the despair or the us versus them, the division. Yes. Talk about the importance of those three words, healing and kindness and hope. Mm. Uh, I I have a chapter in the book on gentleness. Mm. Um, And you, you you talk about gentleness in public life and and in politics in particular. And, and I, I write in the book, uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a joke 
uh, about head cheese. And he says, uh, head and cheese are two words that should never be that close together. <laughs> you know, like, what do they even have to do with one another? <laughs> and, and uh, you, you know, it's uh, a gentleness. Uh, the idea that politics would be a place where we could will the good of even those that we disagree with. Yeah. Uh, is so contrary to the spirit of our politics and the spirit of our politics. A lot could be said of, uh, said about it, but one way to think about it is uh, the social scientists advance this framework of political sectarianism. And I really use this framework as, as a, a, a through line in the book. And they say, but political sectarianism, which is the kind of polarization we have today, they say is a toxic cocktail made up of three key ingredients, an aversion towards others, the tendency to other, uh, othering, uh, to other our political opponents, and a misplaced moralism. So elevating political disagreement into a matter of iniquity, into a matter of good and evil. Uh Christian faith offers tremendous resources for undermining each of those three, those three ingredients. There's a lot of commentary now that the problem has been that uh, people have too robustly combined their faith in politics. Mm. And I want to say the, 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 the problem is that actually people haven't taken their faith seriously enough when it comes to politics. And when, when, uh, Willard defines joy as a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. How many of you would define uh, our politics as full of a pervasive and constant sense of well-being? Well, that's a good question for pastors to ask. Yeah. It's a good question for pastors to ask. Why do we laugh at that? And if joy is laughable in politics, if kindness is laughable in politics, if hope is laughable in politics, where else do we find it laughable? And very quickly... You are prompted by politics, but the political questions lead you almost immediately to matters of the heart, to matters of discipleship, to matters of formation that actually have implications for the whole of our lives. And that falls squarely in the responsibility and the, 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 um, the position of pastor. Willard um, referred to pastors as spokespeople for Christ. And Willard thought the most important thing happening in your lo in your community is what's happening in the life of the local church. And it's important for Christians to understand that. Um, I get the sense, I, I talk with pastors all over the country, and um, they feel so disempowered by our political culture right now. They feel so disempowered by just the 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 idols that are competing for the people they're trying to shepherd. Um, but I I I hope this book is an encouragement to pastors that you have a dignified office that the Lord has called you to, that is to offer knowledge, knowledge publicly available knowledge about reality, uh, and to, and uh, not just to those in your church. But to the community, to the to the places in which God has placed you, and and we need to step into that. That has not changed. 
that, that we may be in a different culture now. We may have to think about apologetics differently. But the fact that the Christian faith is about knowledge, publicly available knowledge about God and the world he has made, no cultural or demographic or whatever change can change that. And that is the calling to which pastors uh, have have in their lives. That's so beautiful. I, I, I love the... I don't love them, but I, I love how clear the paradigm that you build this book off of, you know, the the aversion to others, yeah. you know, like the, the sense of, and the othering, you know, yeah. just that sense. And it reminds me of, um, you know, the New Testament, the the word aleilon, which is where we get one another or each other. And Andy Stanley has a great quote. He says, the primary purpose of the local church is one anothering one another. Yeah. And yeah, putting all yeah. those into practice— but it's really hard when within the church we are othering one another. We yeah. oh you you're blue, you're red, you're you're like and and you see this not just even in the church, you see it in the families yes. of the people where the holidays not are just a, a a part of new grief is families going well you voted for this person in 2020 I I'm I'm out I can't I can't yeah. sit at your table right. And and small groups imploding, yes. churches imploding, and you you kind of detail man how actually to navigate political strife um, yes. within these churches and within small groups. What can you say to that? Because I think again that's that's one of the deepest aches right now. It's and I think we miss a chance to shepherd our people well and pastor our people well and really form our people well if we just you know, just try to hope that it doesn't become a problem. We have to get ahead yes. of it. And this is what you you do so beautifully. What yes. would you say about that? When we ultimatize the penultimate, um, we end up penultimatizing the ultimate. When we when we when we make much, uh, uh when we when we elevate our political opinions, when we baptize our political opinions as uh themselves being uh, uh, amounting to religious dogma, to, to core tenets of the Christian faith. We undermine the ability for the church to be the church centered on Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, look, we, we need to understand that it is in po- the interest of our politics for us to be eager to well well at least at least uh the the current logic of our politics uh wants us to believe it's in the interest of our politics for us to be quick to condemn yeah uh we, we need to take condemnation of others very seriously we need to be incredibly hesitant to condemn. Yeah, we have a politics that says that if you don't condemn the person who holds the view that you disagree with, then you don't really agree. You don't really hold that position. Yeah. If you're not angry about your political opinion, you, you don't really have conviction. Uh, that is destructive to the soul. And, and 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 that needs to be rejected. That this whole again, like you said, every Thanksgiving, you know, uh, you know, the question I want to ask is, you know, did your uncle with the bad political opinion, did he even 
do you know, has he even bothered to vote in the last 20 years? Is your is your uncle a sitting United States senator? Like that that might change the equation. Maybe okay. Maybe mention. Uh, maybe bring it up at the dinner table if if your if if your uncle or aunt is one of a hundred sitting United States senators. If your if your uncle is just raising getting his blood pressure skyrocketing watching cable news five hours a night, maybe what he needs most is not your political condemnation. Maybe that's not what society is really counting on uh, you for in that moment. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like there, there is just all this moral manipulation in our politics and layering moral burden after moral burden on people, on Christians uh, as a form of political coercion without really any uh, uh, consideration for the real, the actual reality of the situation. The book goes through a number of spiritual disciplines, both traditional spiritual disciplines. Uh, uh, silence and solitude, I think, are absolutely essential in this moment in particular, but also worship, cele celebration, study. I also offer a set of 21st century uh, 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 disciplines oriented towards some of the particular challenges in our public life today. So, for instance... Um, can you build up a habit of finding things to affirm in those you deem to be your political opponent? As you're reading the news, I recommend reading uh, reading locally. I recommend reading broadly. I, I recommend uh, reading with prayer in mind. A lot of people think there are some people who will pray before they read the news. There are others who feel called for understandable reasons to pray after they read the news. There's a lot of hesitancy about praying while you read the news. And I want to say, no, no, Jesus wants to be right. He's right in the thick of life. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, I think just, just one more sort of, sort of practice is, can you find things to partner on, uh, to, to inform your own position among those who disagree with you. So at the end of this chapter on spiritual disciplines, I think one of the questions that came up is, you know, one of the worst things, one of the worst takeaways I think Christians get when they, when they read spirit of the disciplines or just when they think about formation is like, Oh, now I have another checklist of things I need to do to be a good Christian. And that's not what, not what we're talking about here, but there's also like, uh, oh, okay, what does this actually look like in life? I have like all these things to do, but I'm, I'm living a life. And so I end that chapter with uh, a week in the life of Laura, who's a, who's a composite character. Um, uh, just talking through what it might look like in what I think is, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a novel, but uh, you know, walking through what a person with responsibilities, with a family, how they might approach politics. It, oh, in a way that they are seeking to to live life with the Lord. And I think, I hope that that'll be something that will be, again, empowering and and give folks a sense of, I can do, I can, I can do that. And I could see how that could fit in my, in my life, not as a, a political professional, but as someone who's trying to follow Jesus. And yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, this us versus them. Now, this is this is 
this has been happening, you know, yes. Jew versus Gentile. Like we, we, yes. we, we have this, like you go through the scriptures and I did a teaching um, uh, once where I just had like 12 chairs on the stage and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of talking through some fishermen, um, a tax collector, a zealot, you yes. know, like a zealot would hate a tax collector. And Jesus yeah. was like, oh yeah, I want all of you to, to come hang with me. Like the spectrum of the cross. Yes. And I, what's, what's been so tricky is trying to remind people we are in Christ. Yes. Not in a party. Yes. Like it's, it, and, and it's through Christ that we can see both parties or we see the political spectrum. We see, but I, I think what's, what's happened and, and mere uh, discipleship. Uh, I don't know if you ever read that book, but talking through like, you know, all, I think 90% of Rwanda was one, one for Christ. And then the genocide broke out and people's allegiance yes. was first to the Hutu or first to Tutsi, which allowed them the permission to yes. condemn and kill and yes. have a genocide happen. And I, I think that's the, the piece is where is our formation, uh, Priority is the priority and formation of politics. Is the right. is a priority of formation of Christ? Is yes. you know, and I think that's why why this book is so needed. What I mean, you've, you've said churches, you're you're very connected to the local church. You have a huge heart for pastors and um, civic and city renewals. Yes. What do you think for this book being a teaching series? Do you, do you think yes. like in a sense, because when I just started to like read through the synopsis of it, it obviously hasn't come out yet. I've pre-ordered, yes. but like um, I start to think, I'm like, man, this feels like what a great like series to prepare our people before the onslaught of Facebook drama and angst. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you, did you have that in mind as you were kind of writing this? I, I did. And I, I've been, it's been wonderful to, um, this this book has been shaped by uh, the opportunities that I've I've had to uh, to to preach through specific chapters, and and it's it's been a, a it's been a blessing to to me as I've as I've been able to think about what these ideas look like practically through the life of the of the church. Um, I, I I think it also the book whether the book is used. Uh, you know whether it's informing pastors, whether it's used direct. I, I think what I want to encourage pastors to 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 do is, as you're thinking about the presidential election and and everything that's going to entail, um, to prepare your your to prepare for it requires beginning with the gospel, mm. and from that. Then moving out, I, I fear starting with politics. Yep. Um, people's imaginations already shrink, and guard already goes up. One of the ways I situate politics in this book is um, uh, Willard talks about kingdom as the range of your effective will. Yep. God's kingdom is the range of his effective will. But but Willard said we all essentially have our own little kingdoms yep. where what we want to be what we uh want to be done is is done. Politics is within the range of our effective 
uh, will. That to me, that position, it places politics under, not over. Yep. It positions in the place of we need to steward this, but it doesn't say the most important thing. You know, there's a lot of talk of a biblical worldview, and that's become basically a euphemism for a set of ideological positions, but that's not what the Bible is. Right, <laughs> you right. know, so, 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 so already you have baked, you have baked in a, a real, a real flaw, if not to the idea itself, I, I've benefited from worldview things, but to the way it's perceived by others. Oh, I have a biblical worldview. I hold, I hold these two or three positions and I, I hold the right ones. And so uh, I have a biblical worldview. Well, that, is that the view of the world the Bible <laughs> offers? Um, and so we, and so I think what what I'd encourage pastors to do is to be set, you know, Willard talks about, and, and my book is written like this, and I'd argue if you read Willard's books, he structured his books in this way, but he writes specifically about them in renovation of the heart. So yes. formation takes place, vision, intention means. Yeah. I think if you read Divine Conspiracy and you read it looking for the vision, the intention, and the means, it's it's right there. And right. I wrote this book in the same way. And that's how I would encourage, it. give folks a vision for life in the kingdom of God. Yep. Cast a vision first for their life generally and invite people into that. But then, uh, you know, if, if you're applying that to the political realm, what, what is a vision for following Jesus in politics? Yep. What does it mean to, to intend to make a choice that this is reality? This is, this is, this is, there are, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of visions for what our political life requires but this is what I'm intending my action, my activity, my outlook to be, and then provide some means so that people can be formed in that way. And that to me sets the terms of the debate and sets the terms of the conversation in language that is native to the church, as opposed to pastors going, well, I guess I got to preach on politics because it's a presidential election. Everyone's talking about it. So like, okay, who are some reasonable political voices I should listen yeah. to. Like maybe I'll, you know, uh, I got a quote, you know, do one quote from uh, Reagan and one quote from Churchill or, you know, like what, whatever. No, no, it, it, that's, that's not uh, uh, do what you do best. Yeah. <laughs> Invite people into the kingdom and say that the, the, that uh, the implications for life with Jesus are everywhere. You can follow him anywhere. Um, just one one last word on this. You know, people will talk to me about voting. And the image I have in mind as they're talking is that th they will talk as if they they go to the they go to the polling place, they walk into the voting booth, they close the curtain, they look at these choices, they're daunted, they 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 have to make a choice, they pull the lever. They walk out of the curtain, and Jesus is waiting there for them. Uh, uh, and they go, "Oh, Jesus, you ha you have no idea how crazy it was in there." And they feel like they need to explain to Jesus, "Man, if only that you, if only you knew how uh, how crazy our politics was. I don't know what just happened in there." And 
we need to give our folks an under, a, a, a confidence that not that these are easy decision easy decisions to make or that uh, uh, or that Jesus has one answer for how to vote for everybody, but Jesus is not daunted or confused uh, by by uh, any of this. Um, and 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 pastors can do that just as we need to do for faith and work, just as we need to do for finances, just as we need to do for relationships. And politics is one forum for that. That's so beautiful. And friends, if you've never listened um, or read Renovation of the Heart, that vim is so critical. And, and when you have a, a white hot vision, then the intention that Michael's talking about is we all have these wills and Dallas would talk about an impulsive will where you just do what you want to do. That's, that's people who have no vision, but then you have a reflective will and a decision comes. You see something on Facebook, you see someone who, who disagrees with your kind of kingdom vision. Now you get to reflect, how do I choose to live in view of this vision? If I, if I, if I choose to walk away from that, then what am I actually saying about that vision? How important is it? And then this is the the secret sauce is Dallas would say, when you have an impulsive will and you just keep making choices, that becomes an embodied will. It's like the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. But also when you have a reflective will and you you start making healthier choices based on a, a better kingdom reality, there's spiritual muscle memory there. And the way to do that is through those means or methods. And I, I love, Michael, that you actually wrote your book with that VIM in mind um, with those practices because- I think that's where people don't necessarily know how to do and sit and be shaped and formed. But what's cool is I think silence and solitude. Oh, I never thought about how that could be really, really helpful in my discourse with politics. Uh, I could think about it for my understanding of the kingdom. But um, And then the second thing, the, the, the piece I was thinking about is I love how you said starting with the good news. And then I think that kingdom vision that you were talking about, and I'm like, man, we're like citizens of heaven. Um, if you were then to kind of talk through the spirit, because when when you use the spirit, mm-hmm. it feels really connected to tone. Um, mm-hmm. wh- why why that word, the spirit of politics? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are, there are a number of. You know, so for in in, in spiritual formation, uh, you know, spirit refers to the will or the or the character. Yep. Um. And, and so the 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 character of our politics has so much to do with yes, the tone, but um, uh, uh, the the um, emotionality of it, uh, the 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 um, uh, you y- you know the the uh. The anger, the anxiety, the aspiration, the, I mean, our, our politics has become a reservoir for all of these, um, all of these feelings, all of these resentments, and our politics is asked to process them. And, and I think what we try to do is we try to tell a story that our politics is sort of out there and all, uh, you know, th- those folks in po- you know, uh, there was a Pew poll that came out a few months ago, and we've just hit sky uh, like uh, basement floor numbers in terms of uh, uh, Americans believe that folks in public office are principally there for self-interest, not to serve the common good or the community. And so you go, you know, the, the, those folks in, in 
in politics. They're just out for themselves. Well, what we need to, the, the, the question we need to ask is, to what extent is the state of our politics a reflection of the state of our souls? Yes. What are we, what are we going to politics for? When we think about politics, are we thinking about it in terms of service? And if if we who don't hold public office, who aren't if if we when we could we have more of a choice than a politician to think about when and how we uh, think about they, they got it's their it's their job it's what what they're doing. If we when we go to politics, we're only thinking about it in terms of our self interest. That then that's indicative of. Uh, a where where the range of our effective will in our politics comes in. So so it's really convenient how much we offload the things that we have no responsibility for or limited responsibility for. But it also uh, look. At, so I've I've worked in the White House. I've worked in government. I believe in structural change. I believe in policies making things better. Uh, what I have come to be convinced about is that structural changes, better policies, all of that essentially has to emerge from and will only come out of a people who are the kind of people who would have the imagination and intention and vision for that better future, for, for wow. that, that better version. And so we keep on trying to technique our way into fixing our society uh, with, without attending to what we actually want. And as Willard said, the problem in so many of these cases, the problem is our water. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and again, not to, not to harp on this point, but like for the pastors listening, we know how to talk about people's wanters. We know how to talk about the desires of people's hearts. And that is what our politics needs most right now. And so why are we playing with old numbers and with trying to, trying to show how ingratiated we are with the way of the world and the way of our politics when our politics is crying out <laughs> for for people who have put on the character of Christ, who are being renewed in the image of the knowledge of its uh, of our Creator, uh, and, and and so uh, that would trans, regardless of how twenty twenty four ends up, and I do think it's consequential and elections matter, all that. But but what if Christians were able to proceed in twenty twenty four? Not ignorant of or or being aloof from the actual consequences of elections and it, it mattering it mattering the outcome of these things, but but actually saying you know there is a way uh, that that um, I my participation in politics. Uh, can be a force for good in my life and in the life of the church, separate and apart from the outcome of the election. That actually, what if the church approached the election uh, not saying, we have not done our job unless the right candidate is elected, but actually the question is, 
uh, do we do we look more like Jesus? Yeah, that sounds like such a simple, obvious thing, but I, 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 I'm just convinced that we have such a block that we have such a block because of what we don't have time to get into this. But what Dallas referred to as the disappearance of moral knowledge, and I have yes. a I have a chapter on this uh, in in the book because of the disappearance of moral knowledge. And then the next chapter is on gospels of sin management uh, and the way that that affects our politics. Because of those two things, essentially, uh, uh, we just have a block on thinking uh, that uh, that formation and the life of church, uh, the life of the church really has anything consequential, like in reality, to do with politics. Yeah. Um. Uh, may, maybe in terms of the fact that there are people in our churches who vote, like there's an instrumentalist approach, but we don't really think that gentleness holds up in political life. And unless we get right on those kinds of questions, um, we're, we're not going to be offering the best of, of what we have to offer. And we're not going to be forming our people um, in a way that that um, uh, increases their confidence in the Lord. Man, you know, um you're talking just the 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 book of Ephesians comes to mind, and you know you've got this goddess Artemis, and yeah, 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 yeah. and Paul's Paul spends the first three chapters painting a vision, never never talks about Artemis, yeah, and then he then he then the next couple of chapters is how we live right as yeah. people who embody this vision and. And I really feel like, man, this is like what you are doing. Like you are painting and reminding us good news, kingdom of God. This is what the people of God, the kingdom people look like. And if my belovedness is found deeply, deeply in the goodness of God's love, I should be unoffendable. Mm. I, I, because mm. deep down, anything that like, ooh, that that why does that bother me? That's an invitation for my formation to go deeper with Jesus and go, okay, how does gentleness look in the face of this? How does kindness look? How does healing yeah. look in this? And I'm I I'm really expected of this book. And I just I want to just maybe just end with this, yeah. Michael. Like, thank you for your time and thank you for this book. And thanks for like merging formation into this conversation that often it just gets pushed to, um, but reminding us of how important it is and taking, you know, concepts of Willard and just saying, this is how it fleshes out here. I just think it's so beautiful. Maybe just the last like swan song. This is, this is my hope to the, this is my hope for this book. This is my desire I mean, it's a labor of love to write. It is hard work to get a book published. It is hard to edit and go through that whole process. Just, I'd love to hear your heart. You know, this is, this is why this is so necessary right now. Uh, I believe the church is the hope of the world. Um, and I have seen, I think we've all seen, the public witness of the church not not be what it should be and that that's that's a real loss let me tell let me tell a quick story there's a a woman a, a friend i i know and she um she is one of the most effective 
grassroots organizers uh, for Republican candidates for office in the in the country. Um, she's also a champion on uh, human rights issues, and we we work we work together. Um, she reached out to me, and usually when she reaches out to me, it's because uh, there's a human rights crisis somewhere. But she she reached out to me and uh, said, you know, Michael, this is a little out of the blue, but um, my my daughter is in college, and she she doesn't see how my work aligns with my faith and the kind of values I brought her up with. And my friend goes, I have answers. I feel totally at, at peace. Uh, 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 but she, she's just, she, she, it, politics has been a friction. And, and she goes, uh, Michael, my daughter's not going to, to church anymore. I'm, I'm worried about her faith. I, I was hoping you might spend some time with her so that she could, um, she could, meet with someone who's a faithful Christian who loves the Lord and just has a different approach to politics than, than her mother. And sometimes like we all need that, right? Like it's, it's, I have two kids. It could be, it, we need someone who's not the parent to communicate the message. The parent has been communicating yes. for, for yes. a long time. Right. Um, and for some reason that, 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 uh, that can work. And here's, here's what got me, Steve. She goes, and this is again a political professional. She staked so much of her life in sincerely in political outcomes of uh, uh, in a, in a healthy in a healthy way. You know, um, like a professional life is about winning elections. She goes. She she goes. Uh, Michael, I don't care about the. I don't care about the future of my daughter's politics. I just want her to start going to church with her family again. That conversation was simultaneously one of the more distressing conversations uh, uh, I've had, but perhaps counterintuitively, one of the most hopeful conversations I've had in the last decade of my life. Wow. Um, it, it, if we can help Christians regardless of their politics, and I think <laughs> once these, you know, I, when you catch a kingdom of the vision, it will it will affect everything. Yeah. But regardless of what party they identify with and all this kind of stuff, if if we can help people catch a vision of life in the kingdom of God uh, in a way that uh, uh, dwarfs their affinity and attachment to politics, whatever their politics is. We will be ushering people into the most important kind of life that they could live. And we'll also, it will also be a tremendous blessing to our communities and to our politics itself. That's why I I wrote the book. That is unbelievable. What a what a profound story. And and I really believe, friends, um, today this podcast launches January 23rd and the book, The Spirit of Politics, drops today. Uh, Michael, where where can people actually find you um, online? Yeah, so uh, the Center for Christianity and Public Life 
Uh, our website is at ccpubliclife.org. So would urge people to, uh, to check that out. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on, we could, we could be in touch on social media. I'm on X, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> By the time this airs, it might have a different name uh, at Michael R. Ware and then Instagram at, at Michael Ware. Michael Ware. Well, hey, friends, please pick up that book. Um, I'm actually going to have a couple copies I'm going to give away. Um, um, so check my Instagram at Steve Ryan Carter. Um, share this podcast. Maybe, you know, uh, a friend who needs just to be reminded of the beauty of formation. Pick up a book, maybe grab an extra copy, uh, maybe read it with another pastor on staff, because I think this moment is really, really powerful for how we shape and form our people to be the people, kingdom people, um, who can be gentle and embody the heart of the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for everyone listening. Please rate, review, share, and uh, we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Grace and peace. Peace.